yeah, we're they're closing the schools today, so we're gonna kind of figure out how to manage the next two and a half weeks. Oh my goodness! Well, this is very apt for our conversation today about remote yeah. work. Then, all right, welcome to the Career Therapy Podcast. Uh, we are joined by Carlo Navarro, and I'm just gonna kick off by reading your headline. On your LinkedIn profile, as we always do on the Career Therapy Podcast, um, you are a marketer and entrepreneur, building and helping companies scale, and the founder of Remote Careers. I think that's an awesome intro. It's a great headline. Uh, you, you do a lot of good things in there, talking about who you help and how. But I want to pe- put it back to you. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited to... Uh to be here. And so, yeah, my name is Carlo. Uh, I am a marketer and uh, like I said, entrepreneur. I've been sort of in the tar- startup and tech space for a long time. Um, probably about majority of my career, like the 16 year career, all in Chicago. I've been a part of startups, early stage companies, have failed a bunch of ideas on my own, continued to work for sort of early growth stage companies, helping them scale. And have always found myself into this space where I'm trying to build new things or work with other people who are building things. And that's sort of my, my passion. It's sort of been the, the blessing and the curse of mm-hmm. kind of being someone who wants to always build things and, and create things. And so, you know, in a kind of package, that's that's me, you know, a, a builder, a marketer, an entrepreneur, really aspiring to build new things uh, every day. I love it. And today couldn't be a better or maybe even a worse day to talk about remote careers, which is going to be our topic for our discussion, because you and I both work remote. And right now, a huge portion of the world is about to start working remote. Um, yep. I know every school that I partner with is going remote on Monday. And you had mentioned that your kids are going to be home from at least two weeks, maybe a month. What's what's the situation over there? Yeah, so uh, announcement came in to the parents, uh, I believe yesterday, uh, of all things. They're going to close the schools down, uh, have uh, have school kind of be managed at home with, with some technology and trying to do everything from distance learning and because of the virus, the coronavirus. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Today is our last day of school. Two and a half weeks is the uh, sort of the prospective time they'll be out, depending on how things progress or hopefully decline. Uh, and then we have a break where they hopefully go back to school and then we'll have spring break. So it's going to be, you know, it could potentially be about a month at home, you know, with the kids and trying to manage that entire situation. So Yeah. And I think that's something <laughs> that that's just crazy. And I think it's something that, you know, um, not everyone thinks about the full context of it because remote work, you know, the conversation we were probably going to have before all these things happen is just what's it like to manage your own schedule? What's it like to wake up in the morning and and kind of force yourself to put on pants when you can just sit around in your PJs all day and things like that. Um, And now it's even more complicated because now it's how do you manage your own time? How do you work from home? How do you not have someone looking over your shoulder at the office? And how do you keep those communications going and those relationships going? And also manage your kids being at home and also manage like everyone being in the same house. And not everyone is set up to work from home the way maybe you and I are. Um, You know, I've got a pretty decent setup here where I'm used to it, but some folks might be working at their kitchen table and things like that. So one of the things I wanted to kick this conversation off with was maybe rewinding a little bit. Let's get away from the current situation of the world. 
Sure. What was the first time that you worked remotely? What was that? You know, where were you working? What were you working on? And what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I so working remote for me really started after my stint working uh, for Apple. I was part of the retail business team. You know, we were required to go into the office at the time. Uh, that was sort of my sort of journey into building something new. And so when, when I jumped into something on my own, you know, it was like this newfound freedom, but it was also really, really difficult because you're, you're sort of used to the structure of uh, being able to have, having to go somewhere, you know, kind of checking in, having your sort of desk set up where you, where you need to be and you sort of have your the flow for the day. You got this structure that's sort of kind of not telling you what to do, but it sort of gives you that roadmap day to day. Something you don't think about. The most difficult part for me and this was a time when I we I didn't have kids yet. Um, it was still on my own. It was this newfound freedom, but also you were kind of required to figure out how your days look like and what are some of the tasks that you need to get done. Um, you know, obviously, if you're doing a, if you're doing a, a business on your own, you have a lot more things on your plate. But even if you're working for some somebody or some or, or a company uh, remotely, you still have to kind of figure out what that sort of cadence looks like. And it could slip away really quickly because if you're working from actual home, you know, you're going to be working on a couch and the kitchen table and then there's the TV there. Oh, that sounds, oh, maybe the fridge is there. I can get something to eat or I kind of want to walk around and you can start to lose focus really, really fast. And that was really difficult for me. And I think a lot of people, you know, as we're not talking about what's going on today, but as people work more remotely, that is something that's really, really hard. And actually putting a structure to your day but you're also exercising a different part of your brain mm. where you have to really think about um, time management in a, in a real, in a real, real way versus like, how do I manage my time in an office? That's a little different than manage your time when you can just leave, especially in the warmer months in Chicago. And you can also say, well, let me just work from outside. And you know how that turns into working for a coffee park, shop, yeah. coffee shop, you go for a run and all of a sudden your day is gone. You're like, how can it be 1230, one o'clock? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the hardest part was really putting a structure to my day. And I'll be the first to admit I wasn't, I wasn't the most organized person. You know, I'm, the, I'm also the, the type of person that has 10,000 tabs open, mm-hmm. you know, on, on Google Chrome. So it, it was a lot to, to kind of work through, um, you know, the first, you know, the first kind of foray into remote working. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And I think, you know, creating your day with immovable milestones is something that, that definitely helps in that pursuit. One of the things that I'm lucky to have as a remote worker is the fact that I'm on phone calls with people all day. So yeah. as a career coach, you know, it, I can't really be away from my desk too long because I know I need to be on another call soon. Um, but those days, those few days a week where I just have like an open schedule, those are always the toughest because I'm like, oh, no, I'm going right. to end up moving to a yeah. couch. <laughs> Here comes the YouTube, right? I and totally I think um, and I think your point about like the, fr- the fridge being so close and all these different things, I think it's really interesting to see the, you, you mentioned that it's, it's flexing a different part of your brain and it's also flexing your discipline muscle. The nice thing yeah. about being in an office is that the discipline is almost built in. Um, I know when I was working in an office, you know, if you weren't at your desk, people would start talking about you, right? If you were just like gone for half the day. Um, right. And if Extended you went out to lunch, <laughs> exactly. And, and if you went out to lunch, like people would be like, they've been gone a while, right? So you're, you're constantly thinking about the eyes that are on you. And I think one of the things that 
was interesting in flexing the discipline muscle to your point of the fridge. I want to go back to that real quick because um, last year I worked 100% remote for a company that was going through, um, they were in uh, California and they were going through a lot of organizational changes. Mm -hmm. So there were times where I was working crazy hours where I would be like, how is it already 8 p.m. and I'm still working here? Um, yeah. To, you know, there was a series of months where I was like, I don't have enough work to fill the day, but I can't go anywhere because I feel guilty like taking off like half the day. So I would end up just like doing half of like half my brain would be engaged in the work and I would just slowly drag out a task for a long period of time. And I just remember sitting there and realizing that when when you have a lot to do, sometimes the issue is that you forget to stop and you forget to eat and you forget to do those things. And then when you yeah. don't have much to do, um, I found myself going downstairs to the little convenience store and buying a lot of Cheetos and a lot of snacks. And all of a sudden I gained 20 pounds and I was like, uh-oh. And I remember yeah. going on an interview and I was like, I've been working from home for the past year and I don't really fit into my suit anymore right. <laughs> and all these different things. And so I always find that sort of like, not even just the work side of things, but the like self-control side of things really starts to get out of hand. Have you seen anything in your own work that has helped you sort of build that schedule, helped you set those milestones? I know I've done things like live webinars in the morning that force me to be up and ready to go at a certain time, but what are some of the tactics that you've put into place? Yeah, and so some of the tactics that really helped over the last few years is, especially if you're working on something, it is for those who are working on, say, a startup where there's very few comp few employees there, or maybe it's just yourself and you work with multiple clients. And one of the things that I found that helped me the most was really um, defining each day as like the sort of the, the milestone, like the real, the focus of that day. So if, if Monday is typically, I feel the most creative, I would dedicate Monday to content creation. And that's not saying I'm going to take this content and distribute it. Maybe that's for another day. So like say Monday, for instance, I feel like super creative. This one I like to write. Maybe I want to do a podcast, you know, do some audio or even some video documentation. I take that day and really focus on doing that particular um, area of work that day. But that's not to say that things are going to come up. You're going to get an email. You're going to get a Slack message, et cetera. You got to go take care of that. But if that does happen and you sort of fall into this rabbit hole of, say, getting on Slack and you get done on that and you're like, okay, where did I, where was I, where, where did I leave off? Today is Monday and I know that I'm doing content creation. So you kind of go back to that specific task, specific subject for Monday. And so if you have a lot to do, so Monday could be content creation, Tuesday could be focused on advertising and marketing, just like growing your customer base. So you're focused on those tactics that day and then maybe Wednesdays, are, so one of my days is just pure operations day. So that is, what are the boring things that I need to do? Like maybe spreadsheet stuff, maybe things I need to order. Maybe there's like things that I'm not really thinking about um, that are non like creative days. And so you have your operations day. There's an ad advertising and marketing day, maybe one day. So I actually have a day now that's just specifically focused on partnerships. So like maybe talking to people like you or other people that may be, that I can collaborate with. So it's very, very specific um, to that day because it can, get, it can get lost really fast. And if you don't have something to go back to that day, you could just start to do everything. Um, what's nice about the focus of the day is that you really do feel like you're checking things off because each day has sort of, within that day, there's certain uh, goals or other to-dos inside that day. 
Um, so you feel like you're really making progress instead of looking at a, you know, your whiteboard or whatever and saying, whoa, I got a lot to do. Where do I start? And oftentimes when you do that, you never really start. So you start doing other things or you're making, you're putting more tasks or to do's to the big master list. And then you're like, wow, it's 3 PM. I just been making to do's the whole day. So I think that's the whole really helpful. day of to do's. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I think that really helps. Um, and to your point about even really tactically during the day, um, sometimes I put in lunch like as, as a, as an actual calendar, like, Hey, go eat or yeah. take a break. It, it really does help. It's quite, it's quite apt to what I'm going through right now. Um, prior, I would say for the first six months of my business, um, I was just focused on executing on the work. And so I was just, am I on the calls, talking with the people, having the right coaching conversations, reporting all the things that need to be reported and invoicing. But as it, as the business continues to grow and you and I have talked about all the marketing things and all the different aspects that go into it mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, as a business owner balance what you can do yourself, what you need to outsource, things like that. I think the way you chunk it by day rather than trying to do multiple things like you know, I've been even thinking about my own calendar and now this is giving me a new way to look at it to say, okay, wait a second. Instead of trying to do mornings are this and evenings are this, just, just do it by the day and chunk it out, um, you know, five different tasks a week. I really love that approach. Yeah. When it comes to, um, so you, you mentioned getting, you know, the work done and getting into a good rhythm. One of the things that I find is really interesting in doing you know, working remotely is trying to continue to maintain those connections with people, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. the way that we sort of phrase this, we've got our days laid out by topic, right? And sometimes we can be so heads down doing the work that we forget that, you know, or we turn off notifications on Slack or we do whatever we need to do to keep our focus. But then right. we slowly are pushing away the connections that are necessary for our, you know, client relationships or our coworker relationships or things like that. How have you sort of maintained connection with either clients or your teammates while also being a remote worker? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it's more, or it's more the, the type of conversations you can have versus, you know, the physical nature of having to be in person. And what I mean by that is you really have to truly get to know people from a personal level, like for, for instance, people I work with that maybe help with some marketing execution. Um, it's about kind of you know understanding who they are as a person. It's almost like the same thing in per same thing in person, right? If you go to a company, you know you, your relationship sort of deepens when you know that person on a personal level, mm -hmm. uh, who, who their family is, what they do, or what they like to do, their passions. You really get to understand the dynamic, and that actually helps build that relationship. And it feels like you're either building that relationship or you're, you're networking um, versus just, you know, treating it as like an execution type of um, relationship. And I think it's more so the type of conversations we have versus, you know, how we're physically there or not there. I, physically, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to live very, very close to Second Shift, mm. uh, which is Second Shift Chicago. It's really great co-working space. Great co-working space community space here in, in Logan Square. Um, that has been really game-changing for people that work remotely or independently to have some sort of community. And they do an amazing job of, of, of getting the community together to be a supportive community versus just a sort of, um, you know, place to 
log in, check your email, right. and log out. You can definitely do that if you want, but there is uh, a lot of focus on um, utilizing and just kind of building relationships in the community. And so you have to do a little, you, it, it's work. You've got to do a little bit of a mix of things. So you, you just really can't be in your office or at home all the time. Um, so you've got you to really seek out places um, to be able to create those connections. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that helps in a variety of ways, right? You know, personally, as you grow, uh, even, you know, professionally as your, your business grows, because it does help, you know, with referrals and networking and, you know, just kind of building that piece of the piece of the pie. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And second shift is, is awesome. And I believe they're also, um, they're, they're partnered with desk pass, I think. Um, yes. and desk pass is another great tool. Um, if you need to find places to go and get out of the house sometimes, although right now with everything going on, that right. is heavily discouraged. Um, right. But yeah, I think that's so so important to keep in mind um, of of building those relationships. I remember when I was working with a company, whenever I would be out there on the campus with the other employees, you know, they would be like boba tea runs and everyone would go get ice cream together or something. And nice. that stuff doesn't really exist online, right? It's hard to just schedule a, hey, let's eat ice cream on a phone call together. Like that doesn't really <laughs> exist. Right. And right. so... I, I do see that, um, you know, as you're getting into this remote work field, it changes the dynamics a little bit to be a little bit more serious and a little bit more like to the point and executional. Or ex- I don't know if that's the right word, but like more about the execution of the work than the personal relationship. And I was a manager when I was working remote and I found that to be a very difficult piece because, you know, trying to build that rapport when the person just wanted to get on, give their report and get off and get back to work. Right. Uh, it's, it's like, and, and sometimes, you know, you're so in the zone, you're just like, give me the no- give me the notes and let's move on. And right. so, uh, so I do find that like pausing, taking a break, thinking about things before you jump on a call rather than just jumping on the call from another call. Um, yep. those are the things that sort of create that space that allow you to relax enough to have maybe a minute or two of small talk. And I think, I think having that ability to small talk is also something that people are very scared of, both in person and just general networking, and then even more so in a in a virtual sense. Have you noticed that at all in your work? Yeah, I mean, in the in the early beginnings, and even when you continue to jump on calls, is very it's, it's awkward, right? You talk about the weather, you talk about um, you know this and that, and it's just, it's it's hard to do it. Like it's it's definitely a challenge right now for a lot of people to figure out how to really deepen relationships personally, uh, remotely on video online, it's definitely getting easier. Um, you know, but one of the things that, so when I was doing some work with a a company out in, in the Bay area and they would do all hands meetings. And one of the small things I think that really worked really well was that before these meetings started, there was an icebreaker. And we would, everyone would lead uh, all hands. So we would all take turns doing it. The entire meeting, lead the meeting. But also it gives a chance to kind of come up with an icebreaker to figure out, um, you know, to know people a little more personally. And so it, it was probably, a, it's a very small, very, very small thing to do. But then you start to actually get to know people a little bit better and you, you get a little more comfortable so that the next time you're on a, on a call with them specifically, um, you can kind of recall those kind of personal uh, traits, personal stories, which really, really help when you start to work uh, more deeply with them. 
Yeah. And what was what would be an example of one of those icebreakers? Yeah. So so when I led the 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 all hands what was mine it was so it was during the holiday times so I said hey let's go around and just talk about you know what traditions do you guys have as a family if Very you have cool. any or like what traditions do you kind of wish you had and so we got to know about man just people and what they did during the holidays and it's just really unique things they do with their families and it was it was a really great one that's um, fascinating I, I I thought and and we had that and we had people that. We did the, you know, what uh, Disney character are you? Which is like, you know, really fun. And so you just got to get to know people on a different level. Then you kind of, you, you're always going to dig into work, right? I think that's the, we're going to work, right? But let's just have some fun and, and, and uh, you know, make it enjoyable. And I think it really helps with the remote culture. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely the chicken from Moana. So uh, that's that's my character. Um, that's so fun. Um, and I think, you know, when we're thinking about this, this small talk, and, and I think a lot of people resist it, they think it's dumb. And I used to think that as well. But I've come over time to learn the value of it to learn the value of these sort of um, these these ways of easing into conversation that, that just make it easier to sort of, you know, relax a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that people struggle with is just being able to relax, especially like, Oh no, I'm on video and blah, blah, blah. This might be getting recorded on the other side and all yeah. the stuff that goes into it. And I think it's important to be on video when you can as well so that people can see who you are and, and understand who, you know, it's not just a disembodied voice and things like that. Um, I know that this, the folks that I coach um, who I've seen on video week over week, I, I, I can mentally connect with them much better than the people who have been audio the entire time or mm -hmm. audio with a, with a cartoon character as their avatar. And I'm like, I have right. no idea who this person is or what they look like. Um, have there been any sort of strategies you've seen that help in building trust quickly? I know you've got a marketing background and you and I probably could both talk about how to build general trust in, in general with brands and things like that. But what do you think helps build trust in a remote environment? Because what I see so often is people want to work remote, mm -hmm. but they just want to be given a remote job. They don't realize that you have to build the trust in, with an employer, with a manager, with a team in order to be able to work remote, in order for them to be able to trust that you're not just eating bonbons and watching Netflix all day. So right. what have you sort of seen to be some of the markers or some of the tactics you've employed to build trust either quicker or over time? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And when I think about that, I think about sort of the experience I had um, and some of the best experience I've had on a team. And I think that experience is when we both worked for the start of and, Ooh, we uh, cut out there for just uh, a second. Some more too, but oh, did I? Yeah. So just I, say I, I we both we start with we both worked for. So we both worked for uh, Startup Institute, right? So we can talk about that a lot. Yeah. And uh, and then when I look at the team that I worked with at that point, um, and we had a manager. Our manager was um, Jen Yi, and she had done this thing with the team. It started with I think every every time we got together in the morning. And at first it was really hard to do. So it, it, it was the thing that she did that she called it the two minute tell. And she would take out her, take out her timer and give everyone two minutes to speak whatever's on their mind. I was like, okay, 
uh, this is gonna be really hard. Oh no. So the first time, I mean, the two minutes seemed like two hours to me. <laughs> and I was like, ah, uh, do I talk about my kids? Do I talk about, you know, work? Do I talk about, it's just like anything you want, anything you get off your chest or you just want to tell the team that you're, what you're, what you're doing, how you're doing, et cetera. And so, um, you know, it was awkward for a lot of people when they first started, but then as, t- as time went on, I got comfortable with the team basically because she had shared things personally. She had kind of been open about who, what was she, you know, what she was doing, what sort of like how her day is gone, how her week is going with how things are at home, how you know, with, the, with the kids and her opening up that sort of part of her life affected the way we, um, you know, approach this exercise. And so I started becoming more open. And so all of a sudden the two minutes became like two seconds. And this one, the, the one thing that did just two things that happened. One, uh, we all became very comfortable with each other and, and, and we're, we trusted each other, right? Because we were telling people, uh, we were telling things that, you know, are non-work related. Maybe they are work related. And two, it created a sense of, uh, it really exercised our awareness on what everyone was, was doing. And what they were going through, and the way that affected uh, work was that now I know if someone is going through say something at home that's affecting potentially work, I'm not going to go ask that person specifically to help me with ten other things. You build this awareness around building a team and understanding strengths, understanding where I need to kind of double down and maybe just back off on. And you know what? That created one of the most one of the closest teams I've ever been on in my career. Wow. Hands down. And I think it starts with the leadership. It starts with leadership being open, especially remotely to saying, Hey, let's just talk about us. This is okay. Well, how do I do that? I can't tell you how to be more open, but I can show you how I'm more open. Um, that's just, uh, that experience blew me away. And I think that a lot of leaders or managers that, that listen to this, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard work. I mean, people aren't used to doing that, but I will tell you it will pay in dividends uh, the type of team that you build. That's awesome. Yeah, you really do have to model it. You really do have to model it. And I think that goes for, um, you know, accessibility. And I think that goes like whatever the manager does, the team will likely follow, right? Yeah. So if the manager is messaging at three in the morning, the team is going to start messaging at three in the morning. If the right. manager is is you know trying to set up calls at six seven eight nine p.m. The team will respond in kind, happily or unhappily, most likely. And I'm right. kind of curious as you think about that and think about you know sometimes remote work is happening because you're working with people all over the world, mm-hmm. right? So I remember when I was in Texas and I was 100% remote as I am today, but I was working with um, a client in California and I was working with a client in New York. So my day started at 7 a.m. and ended at 7 p.m. because of I was always on their schedules and I was stuck in the middle. And, right. and I feel like, uh, you know, part of this process of, of what we're trying to do, especially as in the coming weeks, as more and more people have to move home and start mm-hmm. working remotely, um, we have to figure out how to balance our time with our family, with ourselves, with our clients. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, are you working with multiple time zones? Are you dealing with kind of crazy schedules? I know personally, 
uh, people want to coach at random times, right? They'll be like, can I do it lunch? Can I do it 6am? Can I do it 8pm? Can I do it on the yeah. weekends? And uh, I'll be giving you workshops at weird, weird times. And so I'm kind of curious, what has been your experience with sort of finding that balance and communicating boundaries, more importantly, uh, in order to be able to stay sane as a remote worker? Yeah, and you know, I think it comes down to also kind of putting that kind of line in the sand too, right? As a as an employee, let's just talk for as an employee. So if you work with folks out in um, the West Coast, you, have, you know, a couple hour difference. Um, by the time it hits four o'clock, it's you know six o'clock uh, out here, um, and it starts with I think it also starts with trust and saying, hey, you know this when it hits like that time that's that's family time for me or that's you know that's kids pick i had to do kids pick up but it's also on me to be very uh to over communicate that those things are important to me because if you never if you never communicate those things um no one will ever know so how are they supposed to know that uh, oftentimes maybe sometimes you need to do pickups on tuesdays or thursdays or you really want to coach that soccer game or you just, you know, you need to be out and just with your friends or family or just kind of like log off work by 5.30, 6 o'clock, whatever, whatever the time is. But it starts with being able to um, communicate that, but also on the flip side for managers or people that you report to have to be also um, very aware that that's the case as well. So you're not going to be, you know, messaging at midnight or you're asking for, um things uh asap at 6 30 p.m you know because that's where it gets really difficult for remote workers and i'll just say this because if you try to juggle these things at home and i'm and i can talk from a parent perspective right if you're trying to get dinner together you're with your kids listen we're not with our kids that um that often you look at the you step back you're at work they're at school they come home uh most kids they get home dinner and and bedtime 7 30 so you kind of log those hours for the year, you probably have a couple months. That sounds scary that your kids wow. probably see you a couple months. I, I don't know the exact numbers, right? But um, so you think about that. You think about the time that you have with them. And then, but what if that time is you're trying to answer an email mm. during, during dinner or like uh, they're trying to tell you something about the day, but you're like, well, no, what, one second. And all they see, and I tell you, and I am just as guilty as anyone else. Uh, kids are so astute these days that I will get called out. Hey, you're on your phone. Like, dad, put your phone down. I, I mean, so the implications of this are further than, you know, that email can wait, right? You're, you need to, you, I always say you got to be all in. If you're all in at work during the day, you're all in. When, you, when it's time to go, you got to be all in at home or to your friends and to your family and to your commitments because that stuff just bleeds. That's the hardest part of a remote work. Everything starts to bleed into each other. And then you start to get frustrated and then you things to start to not, you know, jive. And that's what we have to deal with today, especially with so many things that notify us that things are urgent or important. And um, as a parent, that's the hardest part for me is like, got to put that phone down. Like they, they notice. And I just, you know, it's funny. I just posted something today about, my one remote, my one remote tip for everyone, because I think there's been a lot of tips out there on how to, oh, yeah. you know, get a dedicated desk, you know, do, do, do this, a dedicated space. I think those are all fantastic. My biggest tip was today was like, I know, I know you guys are going to shake your heads, but it's, it, I said it's, it's empathy. And I say that because um, 
our kids will never know the gravity or importance of that meeting or phone call. You know, it could be game changing. It could be a, gra- a really important meeting with your boss. And I get that. I understand that. But what they'll never understand that to the full degree. What they will understand in part of the post was like, they will understand the time that they snuck into your room, especially right now when everyone's at home, they snuck into your room and they want to give you a hug or say hi. Because one, they probably haven't seen us and they don't see us all the time, right? So how are we going to respond, right? Are we going to respond like, get out of the room, don't bother, I told you, blah, blah, blah. They'll remember that versus like, you know, we understand that empathy, they're probably happy that you're home, right? This is great, mom or dad or both or either or. They're actually home. This is crazy. And I'm home because I don't have school. So you got to look at it from their perspective, right? And then that provides sort of a, a teaching moment too of how to take empathy when mom or dad is working. Maybe understand that they have a phone call to take and then they'll be out right away. But I think that's something that we all have to kind of work on and what's going to challenge us over the next few months. And even after this, when companies are now have to face the fact that we're going to have remote workers and people want to work remote. So how are we going to manage this shift? as we look into distributed teams. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not getting less remote. That's for yeah. sure. Oh, and absolutely I think, not. And what you're saying here, I think is so apt. I was actually, I heard this from a, a psychotherapist um, that I was watching once giving a talk and they said, um, they said in, in your example here, if you do, you know, take it out and I'm not a parent. So of course I'm always speaking very hypothetically on my, or, or just from observation. but. Um, if you if you yell at your kid because they've interrupted a phone call or something like that, you're punishing them for something good. Like they are excited to see you and you're punishing that excited behavior. And you only have to punish a good thing a few times before that person will never do that good thing again. Yeah. And uh, the example that this person gave um, was saying like, everyone thinks about the really nice gift they're gonna get someone once a year versus thinking about the way that they interact with that person on a daily basis. Mm. And so when they were, when he was referring to children, he said like, you know, if you're fighting with your kids to get to bed for 45 minutes a night, every single night, and that's 80% of your interaction with them, is that kid going to like you in 20 years? Um, And so like literally add it up. That's like four years of fighting over a course of a period of time. And, um, and they were saying, like, just don't have that fight and just try and, you know, you're, they're going to not go to bed for 45 minutes anyway. It's just now you've got 45 minutes and fighting. And so these are the kinds of things that we need to think about. And another example they gave is, like, how do you greet your family when you walk in the door? Do you greet them with a, I'm so angry, don't bother me, don't say hi to me, don't talk to me? Or do you greet them with, like, all right, I'm going to shake off that and come in with a positive mindset? Um, because you don't want to be the person who, when you walk in the room, everyone quiets down and gets out of the way, right? You want to be the person that people are excited to see walk into a room. And I think that's really important to sort of think about. And I love what you said here of, um, practicing empathy. And it also needs to be on the employer side, right? Like people need to practice empathy because they're not there with you. And so they can't see. So a lot of assumptions start filling our head, right? When we don't get to walk past someone's desk and just have a chat with them, when we don't have those like regular touch points every single day, you know, I only see some of my managers once every two weeks, some of my clients once every two weeks. And so they need to not be getting resentful that I might take a little bit longer to answer an email or something like that. And I need to communicate why that was. And I need to like be very on top of, 
explaining where I'm at with things so that they don't get anxious because they have, that's the thing. We have to reduce anxiety. And, um, and I see a lot of resentment build in remote teams because people aren't understanding why someone's not getting back or they have false assumptions. Um, and then what ends up happening is it is incredibly difficult to resolve a conflict via a video chat. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced that, but if you are in like a seriously tense situation, being like, hey, can we jump on a Zoom at 4 p.m. is like right. one of the weirdest things to do um, yeah. to have a hard conversation with someone. Um, mm, yeah. And so you really have to like shake off your ego and practice empathy in these situations in order to just be able to survive as a remote worker. Because you can't yeah. just be like, well, let's sit on the couch at the end of the hallway and, and, and hash this out for a few seconds or do a walk around campus or something like that. Right. And that's, I think that's always going to be a challenge, right? We're, we're always going to crave sort of human interaction. So that's going to be a challenge going forward as, as more and more teams go remote and more relationships are built and businesses are built, you know, in, in, in this way. So it's going to be interesting to, to kind of see how that, you know, how that progresses. Yeah. And I love that we've been talking about the challenges because there's so many people um, being sort of forced into a work remote work environment. I think it's nice when you choose it and you're ready for it. But when you get forced into it, it's real tough. It's like, okay, now I have to contend with the giant LED screen in my, in my room. Um, right. So now that we've kind of gone through some of the, the hardships of it and some of the strategies that we can put into place and, and mindsets we can have to deal with it, what do you think have been your favorite parts of working remote over the years? What do you feel is like the biggest benefit of remote work in your mind? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, a great question. I think it comes down to not even work-related, I think. I think it comes down to knowing that, um, that I got to see my kids grow up. You know, I, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm talking from a position where, you know, it was difficult at, at some point, you know, doing remote work and actually getting work to, to work on, you know, you're, you're trying to pay bills and you're, you're doing what you can, but at the end of the day, you know, you've exchanged all of that to see your kids sort of grow up and to see them, uh, after school, I was, I've been able to go to many, if not all of the sort of activities that they have whether it's a, whether it's ballet classes or being there for soccer practices and being able to make games. And, um, those are just the type of things that seem um, the most important to me and are most important to me because, um, like I mentioned before, they're not going to know sort of the gravity or how important your quote, your job is, but they will, they will know that, um, that you showed up, that you that you did show up and you were there and they, they see you and they understand that. And you just said, you hear a lot of the stories where, you know, they, a lot of uh, people now that are older wish that their parents had probably been there for them or at least been at the games to show the, their support. Um, and that rings true. I think it is a privilege to work remote. Yeah. It is. A, we are in a, we are privileged to be able to have a, a, a business or a company that allows us to do this. Um, and we have to understand that. And many people, even today, uh, the, who, what I sort of worry about is the people that are, are not able to do this. Um, so I think that's, it, it brings a lot of perspective. Yeah, it's a tough time. But we are in a, in a time where, it, and we are very lucky, um, the way we're doing work right now, or doing remote work, or your company says, hey, you can work remote. And I think I, one of the companies announced, I think, was it... Um, 
I can't remember what company, so I don't want to like put false information, but they were be able to give a stipend for people to get tools and uh, like a thousand dollars to go get whatever tools you need to do your job. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it's also a really big privilege. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely being able to see, um, you know, see the family and uh, see my kids grow up and um, because it doesn't last very long. Right? <laughs> They're going to be older. My, young, yeah. my oldest is 10. Oh, um, okay. My youngest just turned one. And so it's, uh, I have four fast. kids. Yeah. I have a lot of kids. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, that has been um, the game changer. And then also, um, you know, to be able to connect with my, with my partner, my wife uh, during the day and being flexible on um, being able to go on a lunch date, you know, once in a while when we can, it's the small things I think that we realize that, um, are really important. And, um, yeah, that's has been the biggest advantage for me. Absolutely. And those trade-offs are so important, right? Yeah. Uh, my partner and I both work from home as well, which is, you know, she's a painter and a muralist and I do my coaching in here. She's got the living, she's currently painting in the living room right now. And nice. so it's, it's always funny to be like, it's great that we get to see each other all day and like, you know, have these like mini interactions, but then we're also like, it's three in the morning. We're still working. What are we doing? Stop. Right. And like yeah. those, we have those moments too. And so um, I'm going to do a quick uh, recap of some of the big takeaways that I'm, yeah. I'm hearing in our conversation here. And while I'm doing that, I want you to chew on the question uh, that we end every podcast with, with, which is if you could go back in time and give a younger version of yourself a piece of career advice, what would it be? So as you're chewing on that, the five takeaways I have from our conversation today is number one, set a theme for each day. Is this a content day? Is this a operations day? Is this a reaching out to people day? And it'll help clarify um, what you should be working on and reduce some of that scattered approach. Number two, lean into small talk and building relationships in video because it does sort of remove some of that personal spontaneity that exists. And so we have to try extra hard to do that in a remote environment. Number three, lead through example. If you want people to be vulnerable, you have to be vulnerable. If you want them to uh, open up, you have to open up. Number four, communicate your boundaries and you know where you're gonna be on, when you're gonna be off, how often that's gonna be, and being flexible in that way. And number five, the big one, practice empathy. There will be miscommunications and there will be frustrations. And we need to be empathetic both towards ourselves and towards others. Um, so thank you so much for jumping on today and sharing those, uh, those takeaways. I think you brought so much to this conversation. And I really appreciate you kind of giving us some insights, um, having been someone who's building a remote work job board and, and creating tools for remote workers to find more and better opportunities. And so as we get towards the end of the podcast here, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self about careers? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. And as I look back as sort of my career flow, as you would, as you will, it's, um, I would, if I sat down with myself, I told myself, listen, you really have to figure out what you want to do and be aware of who you want to, who you think you want to become. And not necessarily listen to everyone else, your friends or your family, 
because you, I think you have a really good idea and maybe people will say, you know, I don't know what I want to do, but I, I really do believe people have this sort of innate, um, it's just this sort of inkling that they want to be something or somebody. It could be very broad. I said it, you know, I, I, gave, a talk, I gave a talk one time. I said, I, I felt very early on, I had entrepreneurial tendencies. I don't know what that meant. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what job that meant. I don't know what career that meant, but I said entrepreneurial, right? And then I wish I had known that because I would have, I would have taken jobs where I could learn um, to get to that point. Um, I, didn't, I didn't say I'm going to quit my job or I'm going to be a CEO. I, I said, hey, if I want to get into a certain industry, learn from as much as I can from people, get paid by, while doing it, maybe get close to the founders, get close to people that are maybe if you're raising money, if you're operating something like you're building that sort of resume internally in your life over the years. And then understand that someday, maybe 10 years from now, I'll maybe I'll be that entrepreneur, maybe be that business owner. And you'll have that sort of experience um, throughout the whole time. Because what happened to me, what I, the advice, that's the advice I would give because what happened to me is that, Okay, I, I think I have these entrepreneurial tendencies, but I need to get a job. So I'll get this job. I'm totally unhappy. I quit. I'm going to go to another job. Maybe I want to do this job. Maybe I, want, maybe, I should, maybe I should go into sales. Maybe I should. I like, really like marketing. I like doing content. And then I'm, I'm like going to job to job. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm unhappy at all these things. Mm-hmm. But why? I should have understood very, very in the beginning that I wanted to, this goal of mine to be somewhat entrepreneurial meant something. But how do I discover how to get there along the way? Um, and, and listen to yourself and, 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 be, and pay attention to your sort of passions or what those are because that, those are going to be your clues to get there. And try not to think about what, you know, if everyone else is a lawyer, it doesn't mean you have to be a lawyer. And I know it's hard when you're, you can't go out to eat sometimes because everyone's going to fancy restaurants and you got to stay home. It's tough. We even had to do that when we were got older and had kids, and like we can't go do, we can't go on vacations. I, I'm sorry, like that's just the way, this is the way how things panned out. But mm-hmm. like you have to kind of stick to your guns and know that this is what I want to do, and I'm going to get there. It may not be the same way as everyone else, but learn along the way, and then you'll get there. I think that's what I would, that's what I absolutely would tell myself, and like make myself sit down, and 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 listen to this advice if I was able to do it. I love it. I love it. And I think that idea of just like, you know, putting yourself in a position to um, be flexible with things is so, is so important. Um, so Carlos, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about remote careers. I want to hand over the mic to you. Tell the folks in the world what you're working on, what you're building, um, where they can find you and get more information on the great work that you're up to. Yeah, thanks so much. So I am currently building a platform called Remote Careers. You can find it at remotecareers.co. So it's a, it's a platform to help uh, people discover remote jobs from amazing companies. So it's for candidates, it's for companies to post jobs and to uh, get engaged with the remote community. But also is the third part is really to build a community around uh, this sort of remote movement you know, how we support people in remote careers, how we support leaders and distributed teams. And so we really want to have candidates, companies, and a community uh, to build uh, a remote career. 
That's amazing. People come and talk to me every day about how do I find remote jobs? And now I've got a place to send them. So thank you so much for building that. Um, And thank you for joining us today. This was an absolutely amazing conversation and super important uh, timing wise because of everything going on in the world. So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a good one. Hey there, listeners. Thanks for hanging out to the end of the episode here. Martin back with a quick request for you. If you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to head over to our Patreon page and support what we're doing here at Career Therapy. Our entire goal with the content that we create is to help people build confidence in their careers and land jobs that are a great fit. If you join our Patreon for just the price of a cappuccino, a cup of coffee once per month, you can get access to direct message coaching, live streams, the podcast, and even some exclusive content. For those of you who are able to, I very much appreciate you keeping the lights on here. And I hope that everything is going well in your career and your job search. I'll see you on the next episode.